This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman and Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at artofdarkpod. All right, and it is a dark a very dark room. I'm actually in dark. A dark. <laughs> uh, we need, yeah, there should be separate theme. We might have to do separate theme music, no. like some kind of nope. Darth Vader. No? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I put the kibosh on it. <laughs> Fair enough. No, Good. No, I like it. That's I, easier. I, I, no more changes, Brad. No more changes. Too, okay, too okay. much change coming to your favorite uh, podcast, your favorite obscure arts books category podcast, which is rocking the charts in Sweden. And uh, uh, yeah, Denmark, uh, I think. Hungary. Hungary, Hungary, yeah, Hungary is the big one. Yeah. yeah What's up, Hungarians? Yeah. yeah. Right. Dude, fly yeah. us over. We'll yeah. fly, coach. Yeah, we don't care. I'm yeah, not we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's go excited to come back. We we had a we had a busy weekend and then we were right back at it. Um, which is cool. I'm stoked. Um, we have a uh a guy who's been with us before. Um, it's Mr. Godward on to talk about uh the great philip k dick now people who are have been with us for a while know we did a in-depth uh full bio core episode with our friend forest and symbols uh uh a while back so you know we're not gonna we're not doing that whole thing we're not gonna dive into the entire pkd lore but we've got i think some really cool stuff to talk about we've been talking back channel kind of figuring out where we want to go with this um and i'm excited Philip K. Dick is one of my favorite subjects. Uh, he's relevant always about everything. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. So anyway, uh, Godward, welcome. Uh, thank you for coming back. We did a uh, darkroom episode with you uh, with about Franz Kafka. I don't know, a few months back. That was awesome. One of yeah. my favorite conversations <clears throat> we had on the show. So thank you so much for your time and coming back and hanging out. Uh, with us. Absolutely. I'm glad that's the right transition too. I wanted to mention Kafka at the start of this because, yeah. you know, I want to I want to maybe contribute to the podcast just by saying like to, just by asking Kevin is Philip K Dick a hack? No. <laughs> That's right. No. That's right. He's not a hack. He's and not of course, a hack. He's and, not a hack, right? Because I think I think P, the reason I say Kafka was a hack is because of course it's it's ironic. Mm -hmm. Uh it is that Kafka I try to imagine uh Kafka behind the counter at a, like a middle America American strip mall for a week or managing a, chip, a Chipotle. That's all I mean. Yeah. Uh, and of course, yeah. it's a very Kafka-esque statement to say mm -hmm. that Kafka Kafka yeah. was a hack. Of course, we admire his work. We're not, I'm not saying he was a terrible writer. I'm saying that, yeah. that yeah. Uh, you know, he wouldn't last a, a week managing a, a Target uh, during no. the holidays, for example. But, um, but I also, did, if I, yeah, sorry. No, 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 just real quick. I did hear from somebody that I uh, that I know here uh, who said she was in California at one point in Southern California, and there was a fellow managing a grocery store with a name tag, Kafka. She asked him. He said, "I'm his great nephew." 
What? I think it oh, was no. Kenneth Kafka. Oh, no <laughs> so, oh. so poor Kenneth. You know what? Maybe the Kafka line. Maybe they have adapted to to Clown World. Uh, See, and, that's and the, that's the, the like. That's why I asked you the question. Is that I think, like, in some ways, you know, Empire has swallowed up Kafka. Like everybody is Kafka now. We all have to go to the DMV. We all know how crazy everything is in that way. But I do think Philip K. Dick like took it to the next level in a scary terrible way and there are people who aren't there yet who haven't experienced the type of like alienation and uh you know this certainly the 2374 thing that he experienced and for him like um that experience like the the way that i understand pkd is the dip the like distance between the experiences that he's having and the ability to express them, like to share those experiences with other people, it leaves this, like it creates this weird sort of disconnection socially. And now like, can you trust people or not? And this is sort of the, like the birthplace of all this paranoia, you know, that bubbles up and man. Yeah. yeah so, so PKD is not a hack. No. no. And the, the fact of the matter is it is an American world now. For better or worse, the oh, yeah. the the empire uh, mm -hmm. it has American mm -hmm. features, and for all their genius, these European writers, Kafka, even Nietzsche, the thing they could never have predicted, even Orwell, Huxley, mm -hmm. these these fellows, it was the the Americanization of of everything, mm -hmm. yeah. and so it stands to reason that. An American writer like PKD would, and of course he's he's more recent, uh, but also supremely American and Californian. In yeah. a way, it's it's a Californian world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Kevin, I love that you're hitting this point because in the okay. After Dark, what we're going to talk about mm -hmm. is we're going to talk about Philip K. Dick within the context of what Harold Bloom, the great literary critic, the greatest of literary critics, perhaps called the American religion. Um, so we're going to fit that Love in. It. It's going to it's going to tie in exactly what you're talking. But I think Let, we're even going to go weirder because part it. of the American religion is weird. It's so weird. You can't really even put other words on it sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. Love it. Let me yeah. just get some housekeeping out of the way. You reminded me. So every episode we do an after dark, an extra 30 minutes. Sometimes it goes an hour. It's a mini episode that tags on to every single episode we do. This is a darkroom episode, which means we're talking about one of our core subjects who we covered, Philip K. Dick. Dark Room episodes uh, run about an hour. We'll do another 30 minutes on the After Dark for Patreon subscribers only. Uh, Patreon.com slash Art of Dark Pod. Our goal for 2023 is to have at least 333 Patreon subscribers. The rate goes to There's get no in. There's no significance to that number, is there? No. No. Okay. Well, it's just ha it's <laughs> half a Crowley. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> That Crowley episode, by the way... It was one of the first things I've had to quit for fear of going to hell in a long time. Like I, I needed a break. Sweet. All right. Good. That's the yeah. goal of the show. We're getting it from all sides now too. And uh, hopefully you took to heart what I said about why it's important to understand Crowley, even if you are afraid yeah. for your, your, uh, your soul when you listen to it. So anyway, we're going for three, 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 uh, the rate right now to get, 
through the door is $3 a month. That is going to go up because of inflation and because mm-hmm. of the crypto market imploding uh, and uh, and all sorts of other reasons. That's going from 3 to 5 on January 1st. People who get in at 3 get grandfathered in. So if you want to get in, be an early supporter of the show. When you meet us in Budapest, you can say, hey, I was number 58 to support the pod. That'll be extra cool. Uh, please do that. Patreon.com slash Art of Dark pod. Oh, and Book club, club. coming. Yeah. Book club, yeah. readers club coming 2023. We're going to do a lot of cool stuff for the Patreon folks. We love you. Uh, and listen, if you if you can't shell out the money or if you're whatever, if things are tight or you're not feeling it, the least you could do, if you like the show, you like what we're doing, you like the seven hours of Crowley that we did uh, between the the main episode and the and the Patreon, go give us five stars on iTunes. Leave a comment. We are trying to hack the algo. Mm-hmm. We too are hacks, like yeah. our friend, like our friend Franz. So help us hack the algo. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Boom. That's excellent. Boom. Thank you. Right. Thank good. you. That was all very good. Um, yeah. So it, let's let me let's just kind of kind of back up. Uh, where do you start with Philip K. Dick? Is there like a moment yes. where you discovered him? Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. The moment I discovered him was like almost saved my life in a way, like uh, because I. You know, this is hard to talk about, but I am one of those uh, people who's had, you know, liminal. It's, and it's like it's dangerous in 2022 to even mm-hmm. to talk about this kind of thing. Uh, but like, you know, experiences that I couldn't explain to a credentialed psychiatrist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful. Like you have to be careful about how to express it. Um, so I didn't encounter Philip K. Dick until after that happened to me. And so part of what was so uh, like merciful or whatever, in a way that, that like, was that I immediately recognized what happened to him, which is that there, it's something, it's some anomalous, you know, non-ordinary psychological, spiritual experience. And then like you're faced with, you basically have to become the interpreter, you know? So the, so it was, for me, it was valis, like, you know, amazingly and sort of, I guess, coincidentally or something. And I felt like, okay, here's a, here's a person. It wasn't, it, by the way, it wasn't the first. I mean, there are, of course, others. You can read lots of testimonies in like uh, William James's varieties of religious experience or like in, uh, you know, the Catholic mystics or whatever. But they're ev- they're of, everywhere through yeah, history. They're everywhere. Right. Yeah. But you, you, you know, the scales have to fall from your eyes first before you can really sort of like distinguish this kind of writing from sort of other sorts of writing. And so I was, uh, I think I was about 29, probably when I first got into reading his books. And I think, like I was saying, right before we started, I was going to go into this. And I'll tell you now that like, the concept that straightened it all out for me, and really sort of changed the way I think about my life and life is where he talks about empire, like with kind of a capital E as being, you know, the empire never died. It like, as I was going to say before we started, this is what happened to Moses, right? Like Moses was raised in Egypt, you know, adopted or whatever, but basically raised in the Pharaoh's court as Egyptian royalty in the empire. And it was only like when he was 40 years old, I think the Bible talks about this, that he's he's much older when he starts to identify with the slave who's out there getting beat up. And he realizes, actually, that's me. Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not next in line to be the emperor. I'm with them. That's like a tremendous reorientation of your sense of self, your place in the universe, your psyche. 
And it's not easy. Like it mm. takes work to kind of rebirth yourself. You know what I mean? Like that, that experience of, I mean, I think of it as being um, the essence of spiritual, of, of spiritual things, of religion even. Like I'm not joking when I say I'm sort of a Dickian Christian, you know, like yeah. that's. I remember you so, saying like that. a real thing to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember you saying that. And ever since you did, I've, I've wanted to ask you what that means. And and, and I know we're going to have more to say about that. But I, I love this because th this does suggest, this actually ties a little bit into something that, that Kevin and I talked um, on the Astral Flight Simulator podcast where we destroyed realism, the concept of realism, <laughs> where... Um, and you see this in other, okay, in the Moses story, but you also see this in the story of Buddha, right? Where he's he's confined to this space 100%. where yeah. apparently everything is being provided for him. And then as soon as he sees that that the wider reality doesn't obey these rules, it's it's a it's a reality distorting experience, right? And and we we do that now. It's sort of like we were joking on that we were talking on that show about like there is no such thing as realism and the idea that 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 this weird spreadsheet world that we're kind of forced to live in is the real world yeah. is it's almost as soon as you see outside of it at all in any way it looks like a farce it looks kind of like it almost looks like a joke for me this is why having multiple languages learning multiple languages is so essential because the language mm -hmm. is the operating system for your own dreams in a way for your own uh uh, yeah, everything. It's the operating system. Uh, and English, of course, is so horrifically fraught. Uh, I love English, though. That's I do, too. I, like I do, too. Mess. Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, things really are. But I'm a crotchety old man. Oh, they really went to hell when they stopped teaching Latin. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, right. There's that. And then also travel. Travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. The number of Americans who don't have mm -hmm. in a I can hear people going, ah, it's a big country and we got 50 yeah, states. The number of Americans who don't have a passport. And I understand yeah. we're poor. <laughs> like people are poor. Yeah. Uh, I get it. But it's like, oh my God, just you gotta put a priority on language learning and you've got to put a priority on travel. Full stop. Yeah. No, it's true. And uh, let me add one to that list, Kevin. And, and like they're gonna call us root rootless cosmopolitan liberals or whatever, but it's true. In some sense, it's true. And that is the the third one would be drugs. And you guys ah. talked about this in in the in the uh, in the core episode, but like, I'm not an advocate of drugs. I've done few drugs. Like, I'm not a, a psychedelic user, for example. But it it doesn't take much. It only takes probably you can get away with this with caffeine or with alcohol, maybe with pot or something like this. What it gives you is just enough that you realize, like, the mind is not quite the self. Or if it is, like, what does that mean that you can take a substance and seemingly become something else you know entirely it feels like in some cases and this definitely you guys talked about the amphetamines and stuff with pkd i mean i think he probably already had a little of like what i think i probably have which is it's like the opposite of adhd where you have kind of like a, a surplus surplus attentive disorder or something like where you're just mm. uh you know, my wife says I'm sucking too hard on my lollipop sometimes. Like, I'm just, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, what's yeah. your, uh, what you I'm, I'm your interviewer at a job interview. Hey, Godward, what's your, what's your uh, biggest yeah. oh, fault? My Ooh. biggest weakness. Yeah. yeah. Too much. Yeah, well, I'll read to into the bottom of the Wikipedia yeah. page and read the footnotes. <laughs> That's awesome. Going. That's a superpower yeah, now, though, man. It yeah. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think, like, he seems like he probably, I mean, if you've ever, did you have, have you guys looked at the exegesis? Like, 
it's I thumbed big. I've thumbed through it. I and have not read every word, but it's yes, only I've, I think the 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 major public the ver- the version I had of it anyway. I don't remember who published it, but it's like a thousand pages long. But apparently, the whole exegesis was like eight thousand pages long. So yeah. here's a guy who like you know he's drilling to the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on but, top of writing as much fiction as anybody ever I mean, wrote. Basically, it's really it's really amazing what mm-hmm. this guy was doing. But like I think I do think that it's one of the themes that recurs through the all like many of the books i'm thinking of like um like ubik for example or like uh, other i can't think of others but like where you know some version of a drug or a pill or whatever cha- like either sort of a uh, cordons off a part of the experience or you know he's thinking about what it means to do these things and i just remember myself being in my late 20s having this kind of um you know, I don't, I guess I usually call it like an interesting uh, mystical experience or something like that. But then you're also, it's like, well, okay, I did smoke pot the week before. So, you know, mm. a real skeptic will go, well, there, that explains it, you know, right. so nothing actually happened. Right, right. But even so, it's like, it, it was real to me. What does mm-hmm. this mean? How, you know, how am I going to process this? And I think like, you can see him spending the, the 10 years after 74 doing that basically just reinterpreting and reinterpreting trying to figure out what that was right but i think it would be foolish to say it was nothing it was all delusion yeah that's i think this is this is where it comes you come away with it it's like okay so you know maybe he had schizophrenia or maybe he had um amphetamine induced psychosis right but like really to me uh, um with my personal experiences those things belong in the discussion of what the content of the experience is but they do not they do not obliviate them they do not Absolutely. throw them all aside it doesn't work that way i'll yeah. do you one better and say if even if it, it is delusion that doesn't mean anything to me right uh, the yeah. same the same way that i think that realism doesn't exist it's yeah. almost like delusion has a in terms of the artistic in terms right. of the, even the spiritual mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. delusion is almost you know it, it carries the same weight uh, yeah. What? Yeah. It, right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's kind of old hat to, you know, say that, you know, mental illness is really just mental illness because it's defined that way by society. But that's actually true. Right. I mean, they're <laughs> like so someone I someone in my I know in Minecraft recently drank ayahuasca. And um, how in that. It? Yeah. Um, you know, if you ask them, they had a pretty, uh, pretty amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Brad is, di- Brad is dissociating on the pod. <laughs> yeah. And there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but, but what was quickly, I mean, there's so many things co- kind of come out of that, right? And you, what you notice in the people who've just walked out of that experience talking about it, it is more real as an experience than the conversation they're having afterwards is a real experience. It is so deeply real that like it actually, it it seems like what's afterwards is the dream and what was happening in there was real. And what's happening in there is ineffable. It's absolutely. And and like Dick writes about this all the mm -hmm. time. He's like, he says, you know, it was as if I was sleeping my whole life and woke up or I was deluded my whole life and then became sane. Mm-hmm, like that's mm-hmm. you know like that, what a fun idea that is and of course like <laughs> right. for me i mean this is everyone talks about paranoia in his writing but like there's also the idea of, of metanoia which is the greek for like conversion right and i mean de- he 
he's very explicit about this. Like he, he refers to Paul all the time, the apostle Paul on his horse getting knocked off on the road to Damascus. And like, it changes his life. It changes who he is. Right. And I think that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with here. And like, certainly, uh, you know, I mean, like I can think of a couple of examples. Like one of my favorite is a guy named Jones Vary from like the 1840s. He was a little known friend of Ralph Waldo Emerson's and had a similar sort of like apocalyptic, psychological, spiritual experience. And even then they threw him in the psych ward. Like that's what you did even in 1840. So it's not like, yeah, we can say it's like it's old hat or it's a cliche or something at this point. But the truth is like that problem has been around, I think probably basically forever. Right. Cause like, how about also John the Baptist and Jesus and Paul were all referred to as mad or possessed or crazy by their contemporaries, you know? So yeah. Like, the the only, yeah. the only people that seem to be able to, there are older societies, archaic societies have had a means of incorporating those people into their culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So you would take a person, you know, in the shamanic traditions, many of the actual shamans are people who, from our perspective, lost their mind and then came back about halfway, right? Came back just enough and and it through a variety of means, you know, it could have been what we call now schizophrenia, could have been near-death experiences. It could have been, you know, the, the various rituals and drugs and whatever that they did then, but they had a means of putting it in society. Now they realized that that person wasn't the best person to be the chief, say, wasn't maybe the best person to make decisions about who gets what, you know, (laughs) who gets what resource or whatever, but it was critical to have that person and incorporate that into the overall functioning of the society. And we just, we just put, that's nonsense. We just push that aside because, you know, the the thing that you said doesn't actually follow this strict logic logical algorithm we have on this chalkboard so it can't yeah. be true so you're a crazy and we don't you know we don't have room for you yeah yeah and this is by the way like this is what like i'm i'm doing this read through of the old testament this year with some guys in a you know group, group chat that it's sounds awesome kind of, it's kind of a slog i haven't done it in 10 years but like yeah. uh, like this is Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah all these guys like Isaiah walked around naked in bare feet crying about the end of the world or whatever like and then they killed him for it of course right right? like these people don't get warm receptions they're always written off as insane and usually killed or you know exiled or something like that yeah um but you know in retrospect we often see uh like a prophetic air about what was going on and i think Mm -hmm. like i mean i think people already start to recognize that about pkd yeah. And that's that's what's interesting about what he so he manages to be able to not get completely sh- shoved aside because he writes entertaining work. Right. He totally. writes stuff that yes. makes a cool movie. So you keep him, you kind of keep him close rather than shove him aside. But he's no different than 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 the guy, the Emerson's friend that you mentioned. Right. He's right. He's that's he's having a very comparable experience to that guy. You know, it's not it's it's like it's. um you know, the, I mean, probably the classic analogy here, I mean, you can use the Truman show or like Plato's cave or whatever, you know, the guy who goes up and sees the reality, Mm -hmm. you can't just come back down and say it in sort of easy, like prose. It has to go through this like forge of transformation in order to present it to the people who are staring at the shadows because they've never seen what you've seen. And so the language has to become like very intentional. And it's obvious that he's doing that. I mean, my, one of my, fa- you know, you guys 
I think touched on it, the speech he gave in France in 1977 or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. I don't remember the title of it in Mets or whatever. Yep. And it's like that is one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. Like I it makes me cry almost. It's so good. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. because he, he sits like the, he's um he's like acting, but he's not acting. And it's mm-hmm. it's both, you know, true and fiction at the same time. And right. it's um, it's just an amazing thing that he's he sort of figured out by the way a lot of those essays in that um reader that i mentioned to you mm-hmm. are like that it, it's called the shifting realities of pkd but or probably any collection of his essays yeah one you were mentioning was called uh schizophrenia and something yeah the book of changes he the calls book of it changes. but it's changing he's talking yeah. about yeah yeah so what is what is i mean can you talk about that one a little bit is there yeah i mean Gems um, it's pretty short and you can find it somewhere online, but it's, um, I'll, I'll, let me just read you the funny excerpt first and then I'll sort of summarize it for you. I cool. just yeah. printed off a little half a paragraph here. So he's, you, I mean, you guys talked about the Ejang a little bit at the beginning of the core episode. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, if you're totally schizophrenic now, which by the way, isn't that the funniest way to start a paragraph? If you're, <laughs> he's, like, he's talking to his schizophrenic readers. Right, if you're right. totally schizophrenic now, by <laughs> all means, use the Ejing for everything, including telling you when to take a bath and when to open a can of cat t- uh, a cat tuna for your cat rover. If you're partially schizophrenic, then use it for some situations, but sparingly. Don't rely on it inordinately. Save mm-hmm. it for big questions such as should I marry her or merely keep on living with her in sin, etc.? If you're not schizophrenic at all, kindly use the book in a very measured little way in controlled doses along the lines of your wise middle-class use of gleam or whatever that damn toothpaste calls itself. <laughs> you, use the book as a sort of ug, he says in parentheses, fun thing. As it, uh, sorry, ask it the opposite sort of questions from what we partial schizophrenics do. Ask it questions, the outcome of which can have no genuine bearing on your life. So, end quote. The overall, like, theme of that essay is he sort of, you know, introduces the idea of schizophrenia. Really interesting, by the way, he says the origin of schizophrenia comes when the world out there intrudes on your own sense of self. And the example he gives is being a 16-year-old with a crush on the girl in the class and you're thinking all the time about how to get her to go out with you and you know, all, like how you'll ask her out. And all the time you're thinking she doesn't even know you exist. you know. And when you finally ask and she says no, he mm-hmm. says that's the moment where some people can like re, you know, reconfigure the self and accept reality that way. And some people will sort of spiral out into this sort of florid schizophrenia. Yeah, immediately create a frog avatar. Yeah, exactly. Just Just get on Twitter and never come back. Go right to Reddit, (laughs) start green text posting. Exactly. Yeah, you found you found your calling. Mm. So and and so anyway, like for for what he's saying here is that like schizophrenia is this thing, like basically that the aging can sort of solve in a way, which I just find to be like really fascinating. As you guys mentioned, this thing's like 5,000 years old or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it sort of makes sort of make sense to me in a way. It's sort of like um, it takes the it takes the combinatorial. So every decision you make in your life has a combinatorial explosion hiding right underneath of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, any you could do anything, right? And, you know, mostly us, most uh, us who are mostly sane 
the large majority of decisions are fairly easy, mostly because we just do what we did last time. But um, if you aren't able to lock into that, having some kind of mechanism that is sort of imbued with this like mystical, at least the the, the sense that it's somehow mystical would be an excellent guide because it's like well i just do what this thing says now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i have a question for godward you mentioned fearing for your soul having listened to the crowley episode what is it about, what is it about pkd that doesn't strike you that way oh it does yeah it's very oh, oh it does yeah oh i see okay i guess the difference is that uh i recognized that he um <clears throat> that's a great question kevin like because uh, it's not easy i i feel very challenged by his writing but i guess the fact that he keeps aiming at like god and truth i was even reading an essay about him and like heidegger's aletheia this idea of like kind of undisclosing or you know revealing so I guess he keeps the idea of like true, like capital T truth at the end of the tunnel as kind of the target. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I think of like, um, yeah, like I was thinking actually almost more of like, did you guys ever read Robert Anton Wilson? It, he, he's like right up there with um, mm -hmm. Crowley mm -hmm. as one of these like chaos magician kind of where it's like, they're not, I'm not always convinced they held on to that idea of truth. Like they almost started to ride the like surf in the postmodern uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And it, it does kind of frighten me. Like, frankly, it becomes, you and, know, um, it's, directionless. Yeah. And I think, well, I think Crowley had good intentions in many, in many ways, but I do think there became an aggregating power thing going on yeah. for, with him. And whatever you say about Philip K. Dick, he's very rarely, if ever, trying to trying to collect power for himself I, I yeah i think like his like i was thinking you know i said earlier you have to be kind of cautious to even talk of these kind of spiritual experiences i think generally it lowers even if now it and then it lowers social status to mm -hmm. to talk to speak of what are almost like pentecostal sorts of experiences you know this is kind of like a voodoo religion we can well, make fun well of this it. is the thing mm -hmm. they say about uh the sort of the wasp uh i suppose ethos yeah. is that you being demonstrative being over demonstrative is almost mm -hmm. the worst thing that you could do mm -hmm. exactly uh yeah. and then and we all kind of live in under the shadow of that whether or not the wasps are still really in power right Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was reading this. Yeah. I can't even remember what the article was about him today, but he he was, you know, he, he wrote quite early on to Ursula Le Guin about this experience. And you can already tell he's he's like guarding the expression of it. Like he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, this is just a short quote, the Holy Spirit had recently taken me over. He says in parentheses, true, would I lie to you, Ursula? <laughs> and had bidden me turn against the communist beast fact fascists who enslaved the world exactly like our own roman rulers to Whoa. me on the basis of my religious experience i feel in all honesty that we are in rome again with yeah. the early christians persecuted and fighting for freedom yeah. so like the i guess like the, i feel the same way is the reason i, I kind felt of that acutely that. today just today yeah, in in light of the no elections reason. and yeah, no. just looking around. Well, yeah, I mean, elections or not, it's a general feeling, but I feel that very clearly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just like yeah. it's the difference between when you can kind of talk openly and as yourself and, and which is becoming harder and harder, right? Like we find people, you find people who think like you get it. And it's one of the reasons that I'm pretty confident I'm not schizophrenic is that it's, mm. I'm not saying I'm a glass of orange juice and I'm all, you know what I mean? I'm like over here alone. I'm saying things that a lot mm. of other people are saying too, right. not the majority, but right. enough that we're sort of recognizing the same patterns. Yeah, you get so, a handful. You get a handful of people who more or less agree with you, at least in broad strokes. Then, yeah, you can start feeling like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally insane. I'm not totally yeah, crazy. yeah. Well, and I think like if you, you know, like um, I'm, I'm, I finished uh, rereading the Timothy Archer book. Recently. Oh yeah, I want to talk a bit about that. Yes, it's just like, well, I mean, like you know that that Edgar Barefoot character in there is obviously like an Alan Watts figure, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, I think. I mean, what a scene, right? First of all, like Alan, you ever see that video of Alan Watts's houseboat? Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Can I yeah. can I shout out one yeah, thing? So in. somebody somebody just popped into the Telegram chat that we have, which is uh, mm-hmm. at t.me slash Art of Dark Pod. You can find it through the website artofdarkpod.com. And he found us through the Weird Studies podcast, like oh, minded cool. folks. And he just said, have you ever done an episode on Alan Watts? Uh, are you yeah. thinking about doing Alan Watts? Yeah. Uh, and so there you are. So we've got some synchronicity happening here. Of course, it's all kind of in the same arena, so it's not. It's yeah. to be expected. I also, in the background, I threw the I Ching mm. Uh, mm. asking about the pod, and I am going to tease the Patreon After Dark. I'm going to read. Nice. I'm going to reveal what oh, the I Ching nice. has to Good. say. Like uh, Patreon.com/slash Art of Dark Pod. But yeah. yes, Alan threw, Watts. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I only threw the Ching once in my life and it was like so spot on. That's another example. Like I yeah. do sometimes have these encounters with the synchronicities or, you know, where it's like, oh, I need a break basically. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to see the patterns anymore Yeah, because yeah. it's too, it's too like, uh, <sighs> I don't know. It's I, just, mar- I, no, it's, I, yeah. th- this past weekend, uh, folks who listen probably know I throw tarot. I threw tarot two uh, within 24 hours twice about two completely different questions and the f- and i shuffle a lot like i shuffle very thoroughly and when i think I've, i'm done shuffling i shuffle more um the same card popped out as the first card on both readings yeah right and then it's like okay so yeah the, yeah this thing is nonsense i'm sure Right. You know what I mean? Like you have That's to take one that explanation, right? You know? yeah. 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 The nonsense, the nonsense Bro, explanation is uh, the, like, I am not going to interrogate my mind uh, at all. That's yeah. what the right. Right. Yeah. On the, on the Crowley episode, I literally uh, said, oh, that reminded me of the art card. Right. And that was the first card that we threw yeah. about yeah. Wow. art of yeah. darkness. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. you compile, you, you compile like even a very ordinary, even a person who has none of these sort of Philip, whatever Philip K. Dick's sort of, I don't even like the word psycholo- psychology or psychological, but whatever his psychological tendencies were, if you don't have any of those, it's not that hard as long as you kind of are willing to sort of squint a little bit and have kind of soft eyes. It's not hard to find fingerprints of the kind of thing that he's talking about right synchronicities weird little stuff that doesn't really make sense that makes you know gives you goosebumps um they're everywhere it's the world is completely full of them yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely i mean and well of course like the idea of conspiracies also Mm -hmm. shows up in that way and that's one of these things where it's like i think for a lot of people you know um like obviously for a lot of people for msnbc viewers you know for npr listeners like mm-hmm. the phrase conspiracy theory 
is this kind of disqualifying thing right away? Jazz flute, jazz flute yeah. Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah jazz flute right. Americans. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but if you can just go like, I, you know, like hypothetically, like, you know, this is part of the distance thing that I'm talking about again. And you can't like very often you can try so hard. You can set it up like, you know, very carefully. Like, do you know, um, actually just tiny minor spoiler in the new Cormac McCarthy book. This isn't a plot spoiler, yeah. but he makes mention of the JFK assassination with some skepticism, you know, with mm. the idea that like maybe it wasn't just Oswald alone. And like yeah. that, just that, just that much is um, if you can just go past like the, the official narrative, then I think you can start to hear somebody like PKD and, yeah. you know, and, and like go down these corridors that are quite interesting the conspiracy thing is interesting because the black um the black the concept of the black iron prison and, yeah. and gnosticism more broadly that is the ur conspiracy theory and i don't say that to dismiss it at all but that's that's there all other conspiracy theories are sort of downstream of that one in my yeah. opinion right they're all sort right. of details on that same that same con conception yeah that's real that's really interesting i i have this thing i've done with people in real life where you know they kind of know i'm interested in conspiracy theories at least from like an anthropological standpoint yeah. and or or like a literary studies standpoint because i think i think it's the most interesting genre of writing right now it, it's basically. folklore it's it folklore. is exactly and yeah. you'll try to i'll sometimes ask them like can you wrap your mind around why someone might believe that just just to do that exercise like why would that appeal to somebody as an idea and like that's sort of the first you don't even have to buy into it you don't even have to think it's true it's like what is the what is the rationale for it if you can put yourself in that mindset then you're sort of on yeah, the this way is to, our like the, the 2022 version of the like negative capability. I think it was Keats wrote about that. Just the idea of just, it's just like hypothetically go yep. with the other possibility. Maybe yeah. we didn't go to the moon or whatever. Yeah. And if you you know are talking to somebody and they can't abide that for even a moment, they're not ready for, they're not really there at the right. PK. You know, it won't really click with them. I think. Right. And I, I think part know, of the, uh, the allure of the alternative explanation for the moon as well is that if let's say it was uh, a media fugazi, that's as big an accomplishment as landing on the moon yeah. ever would be. Yeah. And right. that that's the side I'm on kind of. Yeah. So you know, yeah. anyway, I'm, I'm able, well, it's like uh, Ernst Jünger and the, the stereoscopic vision, the, the ability yeah. to entertain two right. thoughts at the same time. Right. Uh, I know it's hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. Give it a try sometime. You, yeah, you yeah. might you might find that it makes you more creative. Oh, it's yeah. the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking but, of that, I mean, towards the end, let me because you mentioned uh, we can we just touch Timothy Archer for a I second. Wanna, yeah, I want to talk about transmigration for sure. So yes, it's a uh, uh, yeah. I mean, so well, I did write down at the back of my book because I, I knew I was going to come on here. Like just in the first two chapters, here are some of the things I, I tweeted this out a minute ago. But yeah, in his first two chapters of this book, he mentions the Sufis. Uh, Proust Honda Accords, which I think is interesting because it's like 1980. This is kind of before everyone had a Honda Accord. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, ashrams and the Vedas, Don McLean, oh, Whitehead and Process Theology, Jakob mm -hmm. Burma, Autism, yeah. the yeah. Nag Hammadi yeah. text. Like these are things that are just completely mind blowing to a person born in 1928, like PKD. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know that we all live on the internet and we've heard of many of these things and they're kind of memes almost. But like, if you, like, I can picture my grandparents 
hearing that list and being like, just, you know, no, right. Like, it's too much. Yeah. It's all too bad, much. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, no, I, I, I responded to your tweet because I had a similar list from it, from chapter four that uh-huh. uh, includes Captain Beefheart, Zadok, Wallenstein, who is this figure in the 30 years war, Grace Cathedral, which is this insane church yeah. in California, Hitler, Nixon, Howard, the duck, Ray Davies, Alcoholics Anonymous, Dixet and Dixetry, sorry, Dixetry, which is like, and, and to, to to even have this stuff at hand when you don't have the internet to me right. is kind of impressive. Just it's very amazing. Yeah. And he's not. It's not like he's he's connecting them. It, it's not like he's drawing a red string between each of them and saying you know. But it but it's he's hitting you with like this wall of of uh, this chaotic wall of what it means to be alive at the end of the twentieth century. Right. It's like you have yeah. to deal with all of these things. Right. Yeah. And the assassination of Lenin being sort right. of like the, the day on which most of this happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So he has this character in here named Bill Lundborg, who is schizophrenic and is, you know, in, in and out of the psych ward. And uh, I mean, it's very hard to summarize this whole book, but like, you know, basically you've got the character based on what's his name, Jim Pike, who was a real mm-hmm. Episcopalian minister. And then you've got the like, I mean, he's talking about those Zadok texts. I, yeah, like I don't. It didn't even look up. Are those real, or is that just another? Yeah, so the Zadok texts are real, actually. Okay. Um, and and part of the deal with those is they um they came. There were some references to Zadok in the and Zadok was an individual person supposedly. And there's some there's yeah, some yeah. Zadok material in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and there are some interpretations in which people are drawing a line, saying you know the thing that Jesus said in the Bible, Zadok actually said it. You know however many years earlier right so it's sort of like this proto jesus figure that's been kind of forgotten by history yeah actually handles messiah is it messiah or but he writes about zadok the priest okay. being like there was already sort of a christo you know cr- proto christo figure i guess mm-hmm. but anyway yeah the, the scene that's like so amazing to me it's at the end of chapter 14 in this book where like um so basically everybody's dying around the narrator woman and this the Episcopalian minister guy goes to Jerusalem looking to like translate or see these texts and translate them and stuff. And then he doesn't come back. And then a few weeks go by or whatever. And she's all alone and kind of giving up and working at the record store. And finally this um, schizophrenic guy shows up at Edgar Barefoot's like houseboat for one of the lectures again. She hasn't seen him in a while. And he basically says like, I came back. It's me. And it's not Bill. It's not Bill Lundborg. It's Timothy Archer. Like, right. And it's like, what? That is like, sh- get, like it raises the hair on my head because that's what happens at like the end of the gospel of John. It's and like oh. to a point where you're like, what actually happened there? Right. Like when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, she turns around and like the gardener is there. It says she thought he was the gardener. Isn't that mm. a weird line? It like, is why? Weird. what does that mean? Why would she yeah. think he's the gardener? She doesn't yeah. recognize Jesus. Right. So there's a moment and then it's like, oh, Lord, like she then she, you know, in like the Aristotelian or like the uh, like, you know, Sophoclean way, there's this moment of recognition that happens. And it's the same thing on like the road to Emmaus when the disciples are walking and like Jesus comes up to them, but they don't recognize him until he breaks the fish or whatever. And right. so then they go, oh, it's him. And like, it's because he's some non, he's like some kind of essence. Right. Yeah. Or like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, it's yeah. a mystery, but like right. he looks somewhat different enough 
that the recognition didn't happen the the, the way it usually does. You know what right, I mean? Like right, there was right. a gesture or something and then they were able to recognize him. And so at the end of this book, like when this guy says that and like given the context and everything that's been going on, there's just the possibility you go like, is this possible? Like, did he really, you know, Bodhisattva his way from Jerusalem back to the Bay Area? Right. Right. And that's what's that's what's interesting about this book. So it's the last novel that Philip K. Dick writes, Transmigration of Timothy Archer. It's the closest probably to being. um, uh, I think there's the most recognizable what we would think of as real world elements in it. Um, you know, with all the stuff we mentioned in our two lists, but also just, just, it, it's not, it's not Vallis, right? right. It, it's really about pretty much normal people where this basically this one strange thing phenomena is possible or mm-hmm. happens. Right. Um, and in some ways that makes it sort of his most unsettling book to me, like, cause I can handle I can handle like the pink laser beam from space stuff to a certain degree because part of my brain just says, well, this is just, he's just, this is just objective correlatives for a point he wants to make. <laughs> but the transmigration of Timothy Archer stuff, it's like, yeah, this feels like it could be an actual thing going on and I just haven't experienced it before. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so. And, 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 and Pike was a real, Pike was an interesting figure. I mean, we talked a little bit about him on the core episode, but he's one of these guys who's sort of like a, the man of the 20th, 20th century, sort mm-hmm. of the, he's the Bishop of California. And then he, he basically gets, I think he gets booted out of the church, but then he goes to the desert. He goes to the promised land seeking. He wants to basically find, seek evidence of Jesus. Yeah, it's um, like he's following the John Marco Allegro thing about mm-hmm. Jesus was a mushroom, maybe or yeah, yeah. See, in the yeah. book, in Transmigration of Timothy Archer, the book, that's what he does. But in in I think in real life, he may oh, have okay. been doing that, but it, that sort of wasn't publicized. That part of it might not have been publicized. Mm-hmm. That that's what they were going to do because he had had like, um, I was trying to find video of this, and it's I I couldn't find it. Maybe it is out there. He went on a television show with a famous medium. And got into contact with his his son who'd committed committed suicide, like yes. on television, apparently, and really believed it, wrote a book about it and all that. And that really kind of cra- that that kind of ruined his ability to stay in the church, I think. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Like but like church. at the same time, you know, that's like uh that's the kind of thing that happened in the early church. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like why why do we do this thing where we draw the line in the year like 400 and we go now miracles can't happen anymore right right and like dick just basically reintroduces miracles in this book right. you know he goes like what if it did happen <laughs> and right. you know it's like it's yeah it's pretty right. startling but yeah no that's 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 very good and i i that's that's an interesting point he's just sort of just like he's really calling back to things that i i get stuck on this one thing all the time and i think about it too in 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 terms of transmigration of timothy archer so there uh, i was at one point doing a bunch of research on ghosts right for a project i was working on and a lot of people (laughs) a a lot a lot of people who right after they uh, a loved one dies they will be visited their experiences that they're visited by the ghost of that loved one right um and the scientific community has taken all of these observations all of these experiences and they've boiled it down and said they've just decided that well, it's just a biological fact that sometimes people have grief hallucinations. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, well, uh, okay. Hmm. So, so it doesn't mean anything then, right? A, there's there's it's nothing just there. It's like a less elegant way of saying ghost. Right. Know? Yeah, exactly. It, it's so, it's so weird, but it's like, it's this way of just dismissing it. It's like, you right. just had a hallucination. Oh, okay. But it also maybe was the most profound thing that ever happened to me. It allowed me to get closure with my, yeah. you know, my dead whoever, but it's just a grief hallucination. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing I with mean, this transmigration of transmigration. Like, yeah, that's a good yeah. name for a metal band. Grief migration. <laughs> grief, yeah, grief yeah. migration, grief hallucination. That's good. Yeah. It's a little yeah. long, but yeah. I don't think it matters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You put it in yeah. that crazy writing, you can't tell what it says anyway. Yeah, I mean, I like. I think that part of this is that, like, you know, for, first of all, I mean, I think a lot of, like, you know, if you visit the group chats, most people these days have, made the joke about the feds being in the chat and like we, we all kind of have a little bit of default paranoia and i think like i also think that paranoia gets a it it generally has a completely negative uh connotation when in fact like to have no paranoia at this point would probably be naive you're you know insane. what i mean like you're naive a, or you're insane yeah it's a it's a yeah. mental capacity you know if it gets it's out of balance. Sure. It can be, you know, a problem, but I think like it, there's a certain amount that's kind of healthy. The thing that Dick does that's really interesting is that he elevates it to like, not just, you know, sort of worldly paranoia, but like ontological paranoia where he doesn't trust his own senses and his own sort of processor, you know, and uh, kind of everything that's going on. And that's like, as you said, like that's the grand, like that's the final conspiracy theory, you know, mm -hmm. the final guy. It, 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 well, this is the thing. I don't think you should trust it. Well, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Can't. I mean, everybody's like embarrassed them themselves on their own. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin just is in space. In like, space now. I believe we it can wholeheartedly. See it. I mean, yeah. Like, I, why would you doubt it? <laughs> yeah. Now he's on the beach. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. But he does, and this is kind of part of, I think, the appeal, <laughs> the appeal to him. It's sort of like, um, you know, so transmigration of Timothy Archer. I don't think we throw Philip K. Dick in this science fiction category because we don't know what else to do with him. Mm -hmm. Transmigration of Timothy Archer is not a science fiction novel at all. And, and, and it goes deeper than just there's no ray guns and spaceships and whatever. But like, to me, science fiction... I think people have problems with this definition. But to me, in the, in the genre of science fiction, everything ultimately makes sense. There's yes. You can rationally get yourself to whatever the thing is. Well, if it's good science fiction. Yeah, right, right. It's yeah. sort of, it's, it's kind of its job. It's, 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 a, it's an exploration of rationality in some, certain, some way. I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's like the, like the um, rightful heir to the, like, this is just my sort of, maybe this is my hobby horse, but like to the mm -hmm. American, what I call the romance tradition, which is Poe and Hawthorne and Melville mm -hmm. and these guys that were like essentially symbolist writers where, mm -hmm. you know, if, um, well, you know, like if, um, if Poe's narrator kills his cat and then another cat shows up with like a similar marking and then he kills his wife and, walls her up in the like and it's like it's all like the cat is clearly related to the conscience and these things are like an exploration of the psyche or mm -hmm. the soul or something like that and i think dick's version of science fiction always does that i've i was i just threw in that caveat because like i've read some that i think is 
I call it fantasy where it's just fantasy. It's like, it's mm-hmm. detached from our world. It's a fine way to spend your time, like playing a video game or something, but you're not going to yeah. learn about the nature of being human or, you know, et cetera. Right. right. I think in Dick, you, you very often do. Interestingly, by the way, even before his big revelatory experience in 74, right? Like a lot of his work in the sixties feels prophetic in the same way that some of his later novels do. And it was before his sort of big uh, pink beam experience, which is interesting. You know, I don't know what to make of it. He was having, he was having these, these mystical experiences before two, three, 74. None of them were as, um, as big to him as that, you know, he would have these, I mean, he had a vision of, um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm the Palmer, the guy, the the figure that became Palmer Eldritch. He had a vision of that guy in the sky at one point. And he had various times where he felt like his sister was talking to him, who his sister who'd been dead since infancy. And he one time prayed for the answers on a math test and got them, you know, he's, so he, he was always kind of in touch with this stuff. And then it's sort of all like, it all like lined up and pushed him through this two, three, this aperture that was two, three, 74. And now he lived in, you know, completely unstable ter- terrain you know that, that had to be they had to spend the rest of his life picking over yeah yeah it's it, it is interesting though that i was fascinated when you talk about his, his sort of his overall body of work that the valis trilogy comes out which you know hope people who are listening to this should if you haven't read it should definitely read the valis trilogy i mean it's one of it's one of the craziest pieces of american literature but also impressive and and an engaging read and like a satisfying read but then transmigration of timothy archer comes out and it's like the least crazy to me it's the least crazy of his of his works in a certain way and maybe part of that is because i'm wikipedia and twitter brain so like all those references we talked about i can handle all that that's fine that's 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 fun to me you know yeah um i don't know if you read it in 1982 what that would have felt like that's a good question, actually. I do think it would have been sort of shocking. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it would have been right on the edge for a lot of people at that time. But I, I, do, I agree with you, though, that like it's very neatly structured. It reads like, uh, not like a novel, you know, mm-hmm. not, you don't have to, um, at least for much of it. And I think some of his best it, characters, too, just in terms of, yeah, sympathy very good and, characters. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think, like, I, I guess I would say, if nothing else, it's kind of, um, solid evidence that, like, he's not, out of his mind like he you know what i mean he hasn't lost mental function he's a, he's a good thinker still he's clear it's just he's like a divergent thinker you know that's kind of what i think alarms normies uh, yeah. and why he's sort of shelved where he is although he has crossed over into the mainstream but principally through the, the films yeah uh yeah, very curious. I, are we ready to accept that we had a prophet walking among us right. uh, of a Christian type mm-hmm. who was cogent about it, writing voluminously on the subject uh, and is, you know, within living memory? Is the church prepared for this? That's, it, like, it, I really right? think no. that the Christian church is in trouble until it seriously considers that question like of philip saint saint (laughs) i know that sounds crazy but like really i think yeah really we're we're almost at that point because that's like what that's what prophetic revelation might look like if it happened you know so Mm -hmm. right again like even if he was making it up 
Right. Like, that is what I if, think it would look if like. If so. Jesus came back now, he'd be a Wikipedia editor. He'd be <laughs> hyperlinking everything. Yeah. And, I don't and, mean like, that in, our, said, in a heretical way. I, yeah. I just that's why think I said it would, earlier that, yeah. like, he, you know, PKD kind of, like, I feel like kind of helped, like, help me feel saved in the sense that it reoriented my relationship to the big structures in the world so that I understood like, I'm not necessarily red, white, and blue. Like that can go up or down or, you know, be strong or fall apart. And I'm not that, like, I'm not attached to it, you know? And right. I think that Interesting. Um, yeah. you can render onto Caesar or whatever, but like, there's some distance that I have on it all now in part, thanks to him. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Spoiler alert. It's going to fall apart, uh, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> it already has. It already has. Uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this conversation. I'm excited to go further on the After Dark for Patreon listeners, patreon.com slash Art of Dark Pod. Uh, Godward, where can people find you? You're on the Bird website. Uh, uh, yeah, you have, a, you have we'll an app, a Godward, blog. Uh, yep. Godward 16 on the Bird app. And yeah. Yeah. that's enough. I, I don't really yeah. have more people. Elon's, Elon's <laughs> chat room. I love it. I, I, it's refreshing to not you know we're just <laughs> constantly trying to like get people into our circle well that's, that's yeah, i love it yeah. yeah 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 you know part of that by the way is that like i've um i've like it's sometimes too much for me like the people in my circle it's like you know i had to blow mm. up a few group chats mm. that's, the, the I, think I get that i, I can well tell, I can one, totally one secret that. if you want to get kicked off twitter is start posting a lot of guillotines okay it'll be yeah that's a that's okay. my secret use this one product productivity <laughs> hack people hate him twitter <laughs> twitter engineers hate him yeah right i'm yeah. going to i'm gonna leave uh this episode in the aurora borealis that's where i'm gonna i like how my headphones screw with it uh and any case let's, this has let's been like, great we're gonna do yeah more. let me mm -hmm, let me mm -hmm. let me end this with before we mm -hmm. go to the after dark because in the after dark we're gonna talk more about uh gnosticism uh, relative to to philip k dick the harold bloom's definition of gnosticism and the american religion um we're gonna we're gonna have pull some quotes let me leave us with a something from philip k dick a um quote from the what is it how to build a universe in two days that or how to build a universe that doesn't fall apart two days later yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let me just read a, a little up here from that. The basic tool for the manipulation of reality is the manipulation of words. If you can control the meaning of words, you can control the people who must use the words. George Orwell made this clear in his novel 1984. But another way to control the minds of people is to control their perceptions. If you can get them to see the world as you do, they will think as you do. Comprehension follows perception. How do you get them to see the reality you see? After all, it is only one reality out of many. Images are a basic basic constituent, pictures. This is why the power of TV to influence young minds is so staggeringly vast. Words and pictures are synchronized. The possibility of total control of the viewer exists, especially the young viewer. TV viewing is a kind of sleep learning. An EEG of a person watching TV shows that after about a half an hour, the brain decides that nothing is happening and it goes into a, a hypnoidal twilight state emitting alpha waves. This is because there's such little eye motion. In addition, much of the information is graphic and therefore passes into the right hemisphere of the brain rather than being processed by the left where the conscious personality is located. Recent experiments indicate that much of what we see on the TV screen is received on a subliminal basis. We only imagine that we consciously see what is there. The bulk of the messages elude our attention. Literally, after a few hours of TV watching, we do not know what we have seen. Our memories are spurious, like our memories of dreams. The blanks are filled in retrospectively and falsified. We have participated unknowingly in the creation of a spurious reality, and then we have obligingly fed it to ourselves. We are we have colluded in our own doom. 
So that's not happening anymore, of course. Support independent media. (laughs) That's right. We would never collude in your doom. No. No, thanks. (laughs) We would not. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for organizing this, for having Godward on. Godward, I'm looking forward to to talking with you for another half an hour on the After Dark. Brad, any final words for the... uh, no, 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 that's no. it. That's it. That was, that was so much fun. And yeah, man, Beautiful. I, I love having you on. Philip K. Dick was a, was a clear episode for you to be on. And we've talked Thank back you. channel for a while about it. Um, and it's, it's always just such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. We'll be back in the after dark in just a few minutes. See ya. Okay. I, I'm trying to try not to um, fall into some hallucinatory fever dream on my way downstairs. Yeah. What do we got? See five you. minutes? Yeah. Okay. What Sounds is good. what what's five minutes between right. what's time anyway? <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs>